Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is co-owner of Courtside Hoops, Mr. Ross Parker. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate you. Man, first of all, congratulations. I've been following your page. We got introduced through your cousin. <laughs> and I've been following your page ever since, man. I love the content you're putting out. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a blessing to have a long way to go. Um, but a lot of people have been begging me to do this for a long time, you know. So I just got to, you know, get the people and show them a lot of love, bro. Okay. So how did you first get introduced to the game of basketball? Um, that's a great question. I've always loved basketball. I mean, at the age of three, my, my mom used to say I used to actually shoot, um, like, fruit and stuff through the, the lamps, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, you know. So. You know, by me just doing that and, um, you know, just being exposed to, you know, Michael Jordan, really. Oh, Mike, so Michael Jordan was your hero? No, yeah, Michael Jordan was and is still my hero on the court. I don't <laughs> I can't speak for off the court, but I can speak for on the court. So you so so basically you don't want to hear that that Jordan versus LeBron debate, huh? Um, absolutely not. As much respect as, as I have for LeBron, let's talk more about Kobe versus LeBron before we get to, you know, the LeBron versus Jordan. You know, you can't just overlook Kobe like that. All right, so I'll say this. I know we ain't gonna touch on it too long, but I'll say this. One of the reasons I don't like debating the two because in my opinion, the games are totally different. Okay. Like, if you if you look at LeBron game, LeBron, as much as he is a scorer, his main role is to facilitate. Whereas Mike Rowe was the score. When Mike got the ball, his his first reaction was the score. That was his, that was what the that's what his point of doing. He was out there to score. LeBron, he facilitate. He you know he trying to find an open passer. I mean, I'm sorry, <clears throat> trying to find an open man. You know, he bring the ball up more. He, he played more at the point. He was a point forward. Right. Jordan, right. you know, they ran they ran the triangle. So I mean, he touched the ball a lot. But if you look at the Bulls, you know, if you look at their team, it was more Scotty handling the ball, but a lot of people just due to the offense they was running handling the ball. So that's why I really don't like comparing them. And it's, it, like you said, it's different eras, but I mean, it's mainly you know to the new generation, you know, these, especially these kids. You know how they say LeBron to go. That's okay with me. And I mean, it's okay with you telling me that LeBron is the go. I don't have a problem with that, but. It's like have facts other than stats to back that up. You know what I mean? You know, so that that's just how I feel about it. Situation. Yeah, totally understand. So, how has playing basketball helped you develop as a man? Um, well, it definitely gave me a lot of um camaraderie, um leadership. Um, it taught me how to be a man on and off the court. Um, because you know, growing up in Baltimore, it's just like basketball and sports. Are sometimes it's all you got. You know, so you use that as like a, the facility and avenue to, you know, get out of the hood and, you know, get into situations where, you know, you can meet people to take you to new places. You know, with me living in Charlotte now, without basketball, I wouldn't be in Charlotte, you know. Without basketball, I wouldn't even be a trainer right now. And honestly, I had no idea I would even be a trainer. You know, that's something that God introduced me to. But, you know, it started out with me and, and you know, having a sports page and, you know, being a, more of an analyst at first, you know. And it, it came down to me predicting Russell Westbrook's um, first triple-double average and me, you know, writing articles and putting MVP favorites in it. And, like, a lot of my predictions just came true. 
So, you know, through basketball and everything, it's in, um, enabled me to, you know, to take a lot of different avenues. And people really look up to me through the sports, you know, um, not only in basketball, but I'm also, I've also been in the ESPN um, baseball article. And a lot of people don't know that about me. And, you know, I really know a lot about football, you know. If you need to know anything about fantasy, I'm the fantasy man for football, you know. <laughs> I win a lot of leagues, but that's it's, it's surprising. A lot of people just think it's, it's basketball. It's really sports in general, but, you know, I just was always better in basketball than anything else. Now you mentioned you mentioned a few minutes ago that you moved to Charlotte. What was the big? What was your biggest reason for going there? Um, just you know, getting out of Baltimore. As much as I love Baltimore, you know, you know, I, I don't want to talk bad about the city because there's a lot of great things going on there. It's just you know, you, you get caught in some situations, you know, where you gotta you, you start looking around and you start saying like, okay, well. I'm doing good, but I'm doing good compared to the people around me. And that's not a knock on the people around me. It's just saying like, I just need, I need to see a different environment. You know, I don't necessarily have to look over my back every time I'm here. And you know, Charlotte's a, a relatively new city. Um, I actually watched um, and heard, you know, the, the interview with, was Dr. Robinson, what was his name? Yeah, Dr. Robinson, yeah. Yeah, and he um, mentioned, you know, Charlotte and stuff. And um, this is one of the um, up and coming cities and it's great for basketball. So mm -hmm. I just felt like that would be a great situation for me, you know, with me being up and coming with Corsa Hoops and, you know, building the brand um, down here as well. So would you, I mean, cause Maryland is pretty, pretty good for basketball too. Would you say Charlotte is actually better? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say Charlotte is better, but here's the thing. Charlotte is becoming to me, the new Mecca of basketball. And this is why I'm explaining to you why. Because a lot of people from up north, from New York, from Jersey, um, from from Maryland, from VA, everybody's moving to Charlotte now. Like Charlotte, if you look at it um, on the internet, it says like it's one of the fastest growing cities. It's actually top twenty in you know best city to live in. And a lot of people are moving their kid. I mean, moving their kids down to Charlotte now. And now like all, and I might have not necessarily grew up in Charlotte, and their parents might have not necessarily grew up in Charlotte. But these kids have grown up in Charlotte now. And North Carolina has always been, you know, um, the mega basketball, especially with college basketball, you know, with Duke, NC State, North Carolina. You know, it's just, it's just it just wasn't as prevalent on a high school level, you know? Hmm. Wow. I, you know, you, but you know what? I guess, see, it makes sense because, okay, so I'm going to tell you what I was thinking. You know, I was thinking about that's pretty much the hotbed for the ACC, you got Duke, you got Carolina, you got Wake Forest. Thanks. So that's more what I was thinking about, but I wasn't really thinking about people relocating there, but that is a good point. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's so many people relocating here. And I wouldn't say that the talent here is the best yet, but it's becoming the Mecca and you'll start to see, um, you know, you'll start to see that in the next few years. Now you attended college at Temple. How did you come to that choice? Um, well, a lot of people don't know that I actually went to Alabama A&M uh, for undergrad. And um, I went to Temple to get my master's, you know? Okay. So um, there was a, it was a mentor um, at Alabama A&M. And, you know, she influenced me, you know, to start looking at Temple and go to Temple. And me being from Baltimore, it was like, okay, well, I'm in Alabama right now. I can go closer to home, you know, as long as I do, as long as I got to do, you know, all the thing I got to do is just now get into school. And I ended up getting in, and that was the best decision I ever made. And 
you know, that God really just blessed me with the opportunity. Is it, I'm trying to remember, is it through, through, some, through our mutual friend or you, is it true that you actually was commuting from Baltimore to Temple? Oh, that's a fact. Um, and the crazy thing is, a lot of people don't know that I worked at Fox 45 News Station and I had an internship in D.C. And I think, I can't really recall, but I think I worked at Fox five days a week. Mm-hmm. I had an internship three or four days a week. And I commuted at Temple um, about a good two, two to three days a week. And um, the job at Fox 45 actually required me to get up at 3 a.m. every morning. Um, and most of the time I had to be there by 4 a.m. And then I would do is, um, you know, I would go home at around maybe 11, take a two to three hour nap, and then be on a road at Temple, um, going to Temple. I went through blizzards, snowstorms, rainstorms. Just, you know, ice, it was just, you know, it was so much going on. And I really just persevered through that. And yes, I did. I actually did commute there. That's the crazy part. A lot of people don't know that about me. Yeah, that man, that's a huge sacrifice. Good. That's an hour and a half drive. I I'm know. That's why, that's why when I heard it, I was like, damn, is that true? No, that's a fact. <laughs> man, I, I commend you because that's a lot of dedication to get get what you need it done and, and and a special thing i'm gonna share with you know the public and you know i just one thing i just want to do is i want to appreciate you you know for giving me the opportunity you know to talk talk and express myself but a lot of people think that people that work in the news the biggest misconception is that we make a lot of money oh i was a cameraman so the first thing is if i messed up um the camera you know that that's on me and everything but the biggest misconception about this, I, oh, I got paid a lot of money. Oh, you make a lot of money. Man, I was making $800 a month. And that was the only job I had at the, um, had at the time. So you cannot tell me that um, you cannot save money with any of your situations. Because I had I had made $800 a month while going to Temple. And that was the only job I had at the time. I was not even training um, with basketball at the time. And I managed to still persevere through that situation. And I managed to still, you know, have money left over at the end of the month. I don't know how I did. But I had to save because that's all I had. Man, you you had a lot of God favor with you, my man. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's why I don't like giving any excuses about saving money because you can do it. It's really not how much you make. It's about how much you really save. Well, you know what? Let's talk on that because we it wasn't planned, but let's talk on that. Like, how did you get into that that saving mode? Was that was that something your parents taught you? Was that something you you learned as you grew? That's that Baltimore mentality in me. Um, my mom has always been, you know, a phenomenal mom. She's always, you know, got me the latest Jordans and everything, even though I'm not a big Jordan fanatic to this day. Um, but here's the thing, what she would do. She would buy me three new pairs of shoes at the beginning of the school year. And she was like, all right, that's all I got right now. I'm going to give you what you got. But you got to last with these three pairs the whole school year. So what I learned was I learned to, you know, even though I probably will wear a lot of the same material, you know, a lot of, or, you know, many times during the week, but I had to make it through that way. So to answer your question, that 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 trend and everything that she said back then, and that standard she said back then, she helped me save and be able to save my money because that's all I had and that's all I knew. Wow. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Now you you attended undergrad at Alabama AM, correct? Yes, sir. I'm assuming you played ball down there, right? I didn't. I was actually supposed to. Um I didn't get a scholarship out of high school. Um, I actually got cut my senior year in high school. Um, and, you know, the crazy part was that 
Um, I attended three high schools. My freshman year, I went to a school called Boys Latin. Um, sophomore year, I went to Towson Catholic. And Towson Catholic, we had Dante Green, um, Malcolm Delaney, Kim English, all three of them played in the NBA. And although I didn't play varsity with them, I was on the JV squad. I practiced with them every day. And I got to see, you know, a lot of the things they did and everything. But the, the thing that actually happened was with me um, getting cut, not to make any excuses, um, you know, I ended up going to City. Um, it's called Baltimore City College High School. Um, that's my alma mater. That's where I ended up graduating from. But I ended up, you know, trying to make a better situation for me playing ball there. And what happened was the coach at Towson Catholic got fired and he went to City with me um, my 11th grade year. So that wasn't the plan. I was trying to get away from the situation. He's a great man, a great person. But I was trying to get away from that situation. And he happened to actually get fired and end up at City. I played my 11th grade year. I played football my 11th grade year. And um, my 12th grade year, I didn't even get one play in the football game. I didn't get one play, but I played a lot um, during my 11th grade football year. You know, I even got in a, I got an interception in the playoff game. I was in a newspaper. I was a kick returner. I was a cornerback. You know, I played a little bit of wide receiver. Um, but I was, it was like a um, the notion that I had like a bad rap for some reason. Um, and it kind of carried over for me to me not being able to play um, my senior year in high school. And that um, inhibited me from getting a college scholarship. So the plan was for me to go to Alabama and then walk on. Um, but I had a knee injury and a knee injury, you know, really set me, set me straight, you know, it really humbled me because, you know, I was like, okay, I got to get my grades together and I never ended up playing college ball. Wow. So how did, how did getting cut, how, like, how did that affect you? Like mentally, like, how was you able to bounce back from that? Man, mentally I was distraught. I mean, as a kid, you know, I didn't understand God's plan at the time. I mean, it makes you know perfect sense now, but it just, it mentally just, um, affected me because I didn't know as a kid, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old at the time, you know, I didn't really know how to handle that situation. You know, I questioned a lot of things going on. I was mad, I'm mad at the people around me. I was mad at family members. And, you know, my mom always told me, you know, um, I was the one that wanted to go to prep school. And nowadays you see the kids reclassifying now. And that's, that's the big thing. My mom said, you're not going to prep school. Well, you better get your grades together. You know what I'm saying? So I really thank her for not allowing me to reclassify, go to prep school. Because honestly, um, at six feet, barely being six feet, I probably would have never made the NBA. Um, my best shot would have been playing overseas, but that's not even guaranteed either. So that really, um, really affected me, but it made me a man because it made me realize that you can't take things for granted. Wow, that's, that's a great lesson, man. That's a, that's a hell of a lesson to learn so young. It, re it really was. But a lot of people don't know that I actually really can hoop, though. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you can. I mean, you actually <laughs> coaching them. Well, you know what? So let me back up because there's always, because I, I just was going to say something, but that's not totally correct. I was going to say, I mean, of course you can hoop, you're coaching. But there's, oh, yeah, coaches, there's coaches who did not play basketball. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of, I don't, like I said, I don't really like, you know how I am. I really don't like talking down on people or anything. Well, it's a lot of coaches out here that can't coach. There's a lot of coaches out here that's stealing parents' money. It's a lot of trainers out here stealing parents' money. You know, can't even make a left-hand layup in high school, can't make a right-hand layup in high school, and you right-handed. I mean, it's just the lessons when we were growing up and everything we were taught, the fundamentals um, are not – it's not the same now. Now, the difference between today's game and back then is that people think today's game is better. It's actually not better. 
these kids are just a lot more athletic. I give you that. But mentally, they're more fragile. You know, they don't even go outside and hoop no more. You know, they really don't understand or have the IQ of the game. And I'm not speaking for everybody, but I'm speaking for the majority. You know, it's just, um, it's different nowadays. And the one thing I never had was a train. I had to learn on my own. But there was a guy um, in my high school, in, in my high school years, he he um, he showed me a lot of the moves and that I, um, that I use and teach the kids today. You know, once you get a real training and stuff in your life, it, it really helps you. So... So what is the big thing you would say is the most important about coaching? Do you do you feel like do you feel like coaching has improved? I mean, do you feel like coaching is what it used to be? Uh, honestly, I don't think it's gotten any better. I think it's I think I don't, I don't think it's plummeted. I think it I think it's plateaued. I think it's just it stayed the same, honestly. Um, because there are a lot of things that define a good coach. And honestly, in my life, I've only had a few. Um, great coaches. How do you how do you think how do you think AAU is affecting basketball? What kind of impact do you think is having on basketball? In your opinion, um, AAU is it, it, it's great for a lot of you know, especially the African American kids because it gets them it gets them exposure. Um, it gets them to leave their environments because a lot of them are living in impoverished neighborhoods and stuff. So on that aspect and that realm of that, it's, it's great for basketball and for, for them, you know, getting exposed to different areas outside of their city. But I think they're stealing a lot of these kids' money, you know. Um, and a lot of these kids nowadays are going and, 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 and you know, going to the college and Zion Williamson, for a perfect example, you know, he's played so much basketball now, it's like, you know, he's hurt at 18, 19 years old. He's had two major knee um, injuries, 18, 19 years old. So it, it's not good for that. And I think, I really do think that, I don't want to speak on the, the um, I don't know, I can't think of the right word right now, but I don't I don't want to speak on, um, on on issue of that. But I do think that um, a lot of these kids um, are being um, abused and um, they're being um, used. Yeah, I was just, ironically, I just did a podcast with a gentleman who has like his name, uh, Zach Ramey. He, he mm-hmm. his, his, his uh, page called Off the Glass. By the way, you should check it out too if you haven't. Um, okay. we, we was just talking about this yesterday. My interview with him was yesterday. And ironically, we was just talking about this. And we was talking about how we both, we both actually read the same article about how these kids play so much basketball now that their bodies are breaking down. By the time they like 21, 22, they end up suffering like a major ACL injury or major, uh, you know, something like it's mainly mm-hmm. been torn ACLs. That's been the biggest one. It's and you look back at back, back in the day, it wasn't as um, many torn ACLs, you know, um, in the 80s and even early 90s. So what is it that's is it the athleticism of the kids, you know, where they're putting more pressure on their knees and, and stuff like that? Is it is it too much strenuous training? Is it not enough research and knowledge to actually go on? Is it not enough stretching? Because coaches never, no coaches never told me to stretch. Like I'm, I'm feeling that now. I'm, I'm 30 years old. I don't look 30, but I am 30, <laughs> and, and I'm feeling that now. And I'm like, man, I should have, you know, I should have stretched back then. You know, it wasn't a lot of things people say. You should do yoga. You know, you should swim and all that. Back then, you like, you like, man, I ain't doing no yoga, man. I ain't swimming. Like that's just how that's how we looked at things. But nowadays, you like. I should have, I, I should have did that. I should have, you know, I might have should have listened to the per- person that t- um, told me to do this type of stuff. You know, I think that comes down to just evolving as a, a man and an athlete. Because 
you know, a lot of times the, they, if you look at the, the athletes, a lot of times in they, you know, when they're young, you know, they don't really look at the stretching and the yoga. It's, it's as they get older and they start feeling those aches and pains. So now they're trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to prevent this? Or what can I do to alleviate some of this pain? Right. But I think that's more when it comes in as they get older, they, they, you know, they realize they need these things more than they didn't need them when they were younger. And, but now it's getting to the point where these, they're, they're getting older. And even though the doctors and everything are getting better, you know, these kids, um, especially in football, um, these kids are only being, being able to play three to five years. So it has to change in, in, in some type of way. Yeah, it's, uh, to me, I think one of the most amazing things to me is just like how fast people recover from torn ACLs. Because, you know, back in the day, man, a torn ACL would end your career. Right, it's a 12-month injury. And now it's like... Six, six months, it's like a... It's like a it's like it's almost like a, a a very mild sprained ankle now. You know what I'm saying? So it's just I've seen kids come back in six months. I mean, and honestly, I don't know what the correct timetable is um, behind it now. Honestly, man, I don't think it's one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is one. <laughs> I think it's whatever they feel like you good because it's like modern medicine has done so much, like the training techniques, everything. Like I mean, yeah, the the, the tank. The, the new strain they're putting on bodies, yeah, they're tearing you apart, but like technology's so good. They're just like able to right. rebuild. Like I honestly can't, man, honestly, I don't think there's an injury. I mean, I, this may be stretching it, but if you look at how uh, Kyrus Levert and Paul George and, uh, right. and Livingston, those were probably the most devastating injuries you can imagine. And man, they, they were so gruesome. Yeah, and they all came back. All came back. You know, Karis Levert, Karis Levert injury, even though Paul George looked the worst to me. Oh, I don't know, man. Sean Livingston was pretty bad, too. But even though but, but Paul George, I mean, but Sean Livingston injury had came at a time when social media wasn't even prevalent. So nobody really, unless you go to YouTube, nobody really even really saw that, you know, injury as much as they do, you know, Paul George or Karis Levert. But I was surprised Karis Levert came back in the same season from the injury. I think the I think honestly, in, in my opinion, I think Livingston was worse. And the reason I think his was worse is because he went, he was going up to like to finish. Whereas Paul George was coming down and he hit something wrong. That's the only reason I feel that. I mean, it's not, you know, either way, you know, it was terrible both ways. But I think the only person that I've seen, the only person that I can think of who did not come back from the injury. Was remember the guy from Louisville that got hurt? I think that was the Final Four. Oh, Kevin Ware. Yeah, Kevin Ware. Yeah, he actually transferred and went to a different school. He did. He went to HBCU. Yeah, I but think he, he did. He did. He did. He went to um, I want to say it was one in Georgia, but he never. But I, I, but you know what it was because I actually read the article. So when he went, when he went, he transferred away from Louisville because I want. I'm, I'm pretty sure I read it right. I thought he, he went to Georgia to, State, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. Georgia State, yeah, Georgia. That's what I was saying, Georgia. That's why I was saying he went to HBCU in Georgia. But, but, but I don't know, but Georgia State ain't HBCU, though. Oh, it's not? No. Nah. Okay, you know, it's my bad. I'm so used to No, nah, no, nah, it's, it's all, I mean, it's all good. It's, it's a conversation, <laughs> man. We, we learning this stuff. We just talking. So he went, yeah, so he went to Georgia because it was something I'm, 
I'm pretty sure it was something regarding his family. Like he wanted to be closer to his family. Something happened and he ended up transferring there in Georgia. Yeah, I think I think that's what um what happened. Like I said, I could even be wrong on the Georgia State, but I just remember seeing him playing like another NCAA tournament or something, or seeing him play, and um, and I'm like, dang, I still got him with the Louisville, and he, I was like, I didn't know he transferred. Yeah. And, oh, so yeah. he did, so he did actually make it back to the tournament and everything. I think so, if I'm not mistaken. I okay. could be. I could. I hope I'm not wrong because we this is an interview, but you know, um, I, I'm pretty sure he did. If, but I, if if he didn't, I know I saw him play in one of those schools in Georgia. Okay, yeah, I know he went. I know it was. A, I know it was Georgia State. I know it was. I'm. I know that. Well, I mean, it's not Georgia State, but I know it was a school in Georgia. But right, Georgia State does sound like correct. Sounds correct. Sounds. Hey, man, it's, it's nothing wrong because there are friends and family members that thought that Temple University was an all black school because of Bill Cosby. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just. I mean, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, like a lot of those state schools are HBCUs. I don't. Know. Mm-hmm. That's facts. So if you, so let's say I had a kid. You know, um, I had a kid, and I and I say, you know what, I'm gonna take you to Ross for training. What would you say to Ben? What What would you provide for my kid that makes me feel like you know what, I should bring my kid to you for training? Um, that's a great question, and um. The first thing I always I would say is footwork. I'm big on footwork, and I'm big on ball handling. Um, nowadays, every everything is you know revolved around shooting. And the crazy thing is, everybody always says, you know, let's just be real about this. Everybody always says defense is the most important. But is defense really the most important? Because every time I go in the gym, I don't see nobody working on defense. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just real though. And um, I always start off with footwork, pivoting. You know. Because if you can't dribble, the first thing you got to do is be able to get somebody off you, yeah. you know? And um, if you can't shoot, you better be able to get somebody off you too, you know, to make um, to make dribbling moves. But the first thing I always do is work on dribbling and, and, and footwork. And then we start we, then we start getting to, the, you know, um, more of the defense and more of the shooting. And as over time, in footwork drills, is, is I, I do lattice, there's a whole bunch of, you know, plyometrics and a whole bunch of other things, you know, resistance bands that I use. And over time, you start to see your kid getting faster and stronger and, and, and getting more lateral quickness, you know, and being able to finish around the rim because I'm going to make sure they use both hands. I'm big on both hands because there are people in high school, like I reiterated earlier, that cannot um, use their left hand, cannot use their right hand. And I, with me being a high school coach right now, even though I'm, I'm an assistant, you know, one day my opportunity will come and I've had kids say, you know, coach, and you know, I can't use my left. It's not that important. It's very important because if you can't use both hands, then I, I don't understand how you, you, you won't ever make it to the next level because, and unless you're so extraordinary, you know, at what you do. And sometimes I've even heard, you know, well, Julius Randle always uses left hand. Well, I don't know, but one thing, Julius Randle is what, what, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, and or whatever he is. But I'm saying he's mastered using his left hand. But I'm like, you ain't Julius Randle. <laughs> so, you know, but that's the one of the things you got to tell these kids because kids always come back at you with some type of rebuttal. And um, the thing with me in, in training, you're going to get a lot of footwork. You're going to get a lot of skill development. You're going to be able to use your left and right hand. You know, you're going to be able to shoot, but you, we're going to work on your ball handling. You know, because Steph Curry wouldn't be Steph Curry if, um, if he ain't have handles. 
Yeah. That's what that's I mean, what people, some a lot of people overlook that. Because I mean, he, um, Steph Curry hesitation is so crazy because you have to bite because he can shoot. But if Steph Curry couldn't shoot, then you're not falling for none of that. But <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? But if he couldn't dribble, you know, he, they just gonna press up on him. He ain't gonna be able to get a shot off. So ball handling, defense, and footwork are the main um key attributes that I that I that I really will will develop in, in, in an athlete and being able to use both hands. So it sounds like to me, the biggest thing you're gonna make sure they have nothing else, they're gonna have the fundamentals of playing basketball. If they can't fundamentals of playing basketball. I don't care if you seven nine, I don't care if you eight one, you're gonna have to learn how to dribble that ball. And 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 at the end of the day, it's just nowadays, you know, they just a lot of these coaches think they're coaching these kids and they send them off for failure because you need to teach these kids how to play every position out there. And you know, they, a lot of the, the big kids they just throw them down in the paint. And it doesn't actually work out for them because now the kid is 16 now, and now everybody else around him is 6'5". And now they've only been doing right-hand lifts the whole life. Now they're struggling, you know? So you got to learn how to play every position because you never know when you're going to stop growing. Now, before we get out of here, I got to make sure I ask you because you are the basketball guru. So I'm going to ask you these questions. When the, who do you like in March Madness? Ah uh, man, that's that's a tough question. I gotta see the bracket first. I mean, come um, on, you look, you know who you you know who you look at right now and say, I mean that granted, let let me throw this disclaimer out. We all know it's it's a one-shot deal. You could have an off night and lose, but I'm pretty sure you know who the powerhouses is right now. So right do you want me to name one team or more than one team? If like? you had if 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 you had to bet it all on one team, who would that team be? Uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs, and oh, I know it's the same thing every year. It's the same thing every year. Man, let, I had to bet it all. Right now. Let me stop you because <laughs> you hit it. You hit a nerve with me because I pick them jokers almost every year. Every year. <laughs> I know, they got I know, close that I one year though. They did get to the championship that one year. Yeah, I mean, they lost though. Yeah, I mean. Look, I'm only thinking about my bracket, but they did get me that far, so I can't be too bad. At <laughs> I feel you on that. So but what did, about what about the MVP of the NBA? Who's your MVP? Uh, man, I mean, I don't necessarily have one right now, but you got to go with um, Giannis leading the way. You got to go with Braun. Um, James Harden is in the category, but right now I would just say mainly Giannis or Braun. Okay. And when it's all said and done in the season over, who's going to raise the uh, the NBA banners, the championship banners? Oh, Got to see the seasons. Um, but right now, I'm going to have to go to the Clippers. I'm going to have to go to the Clippers. I mean, we saw what Kawhi Leonard did last year. Um, and it's not, it's not a knock against the Lakers because I think that the Lakers are the hardest team to beat in a seven-game series, you know? Um, but I mean, how can you go against Kawhi? I mean, I mean, you can't go against Kawhi right now. I mean, he's beating the Lakers twice, even though that means nothing. Because I remember Derrick Rose beating Miami Heat four times um, in the, like the 2011, 2012 season, and they came back and lost in in, in five games. Mm. You know, so the regular season doesn't really mean anything. Um, but I think you know the Clippers might get be able to get it done. Clippers, Lakers, or you know Bucks or Sixers. I mean, that would be my my top four. 
Um, so what why, about you? Why did you um, before I answer mine? Why do you feel like the Lakers are the hardest team to beat in the seven? Well, not the hardest, but why is it so hard to beat them in the seven game? Because their size. I mean, you got Dwight Howard, you got McGee down there, you know. Um, you got Anthony Davis, you know, you got LeBron. And you know LeBron James somehow, somewhere is probably gonna find at the trading deadline another person, another body in this team. What if they <laughs> add, what if they added Derrick Rose? What if they added Chris Paul? It's just like, you know, everything I'm telling you right now could change, you know, um, depending on the, the trade deadline scenario. Um, but you know, I, I just feel like they got the bodies. And when you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis down there, you know, they got the big bruises down there. It's just after a while, man. It's just it, it, it's it's gonna wear and tear on you in a seven game series. Yeah, that that makes sense. Now you asked me who would I pick, so let me let me throw this disclaimer out. I don't really watch basketball too tough during the regular season. I think the season is way too long. Uh, but if I had to pick, I probably would pick the Clippers too. I saw. Um, I, I actually saw some of that was pretty much the only basketball I saw was on Christmas. And uh man, Kawhi he didn't have the best game, but just him being out there, Kawhi and uh coaching, they got Doc Rivers as coach. And I I listen, I'm look, no disrespect to Frank Vogel, but if it come down to coaching, man, give me Doc over Frank Vogel. Right. I feel you. <laughs> I'm, the same, I'm the same way. So same way. I just think with with the coaching and they got they got enough size so they can run at LeBron and and even what even what surprised me was when they threw Beverly on him because Beverly not that tall right Beverly what like six three six four man if that Beverly like six six one six two he just a pest though he's a pest thanks oh that dude is a pest he one of them guys if he on your team great but man if he not on your team oh my god. I'm surprised Westbrook haven't killed him yet. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. It, it just seemed like, to me, it's going to come down to the same problem I have with Anthony Davis. It's the same problem I have with Paul George. I mean, all the talent in the world. But you got to, you know, Anthony Davis has to do more in the playoffs for me. You know, I think they've gotten off the first round maybe once. I remember when they swept um, the Blazers um, a few years ago. And, you know, I, Paul George is the same way, man. It's like, is it Paul George being a problem, or is it Westbrook? Because the Thunder lost to the Blazers last year. And the biggest problem I had with Paul George and them the year before that is they lost to Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell was a rookie. If you got Paul George and Russell Westbrook on your team, you cannot be losing to a rookie Donovan Mitchell. Like, I agree. I agree. That's a problem with me. So it, it's going to come down to that matchup. And if Paul George ain't hooping, I don't think the Clippers got a shot. But Paul George is hooping and he's on his A game. They got a shot. I mean, we saw Kawhi do it by himself. I'm not saying he didn't do it by himself last year, but I'm saying he literally carried them to the finals. Um, but if the Warriors were healthy last year, I don't know if they would have, you know, beat them. So you you can end that mystery. Please stop. And I look, I hate the Warriors, but man, they would have beat if, if they if they'd have been healthy. We talking about five games max. I, yeah, I can agree with that. Five but they weren't. Max. But they weren't. So. Kawada, yeah, I mean it was Kawada guy you got a rivalry right now. Huh? Said Kawada guy you got a rivalry right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Listen, that's not taking listen, that's not taking away nothing from Kawhi. I mean the Warriors, they built the they built the they basically built the super team. And I guess the basketball guards decided, nah, not this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, mean, I wasn't expect I mean, cause 
you know, we we both watch a lot of bad. Well, you watch a lot of, but see, I okay. I grew up watching basketball when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I've kind of soured on it until the playoffs. But I will say, in my I could I could think of a lot of basketball. My memory is good, and I can't think of a scenario where not one, but two superstars got hurt. Right. That that was like I mean we talking about Kevin Durant arguably was the best player in the game. Yeah, he's he still could be arguably the best player in the game. Well, we gotta wait and see. Well, he got the most. I don't give a nobody. So he might not be the best. He got the most game out of any person in the league. We talking about game. He got the most game. One on one game is Kevin Durant. Now that now we talked about injuries earlier. That is the one injury. That I'm that I'm that I always say wait and see on is that torn Achilles. Oh yeah, that's a fact. That's, that's a wait. <laughs> that's a wait and see, bro. We can't listen. If 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 he comes back, like I'm, I don't know if he'll ever be the same. I mean, he Kevin Durant, thirty, right? Yeah, he's thirty-one, I think. Man, thirty-one torn Achilles, and that's not. And he doesn't have that. And he doesn't. He's not your typical thirty-one-year-old basketball player we talking about mind you he grew up in that aau era so mm-hmm. he he logged them aau miles like when you compare him to somebody like a kobe who played 20 years but kobe didn't play aau ball kobe played high school ball right so you talking about all those aau games the, you know he played he played one year college but you all know, those playoff games with the thunder going right, to the finals all with the those thunder. playoff games Man, that like when you when you when you on a team that consistently make a deep run, man, that's more trade on them ties. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I want to see. see. I definitely want to see. But man, I I truly want to thank you for taking the time to do this, man. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure to talk with somebody doing some great things like yourself. Man, I appreciate that. Um, for everybody listening, um, make sure y'all go follow um Corsa Hoops. Um, it's Corsa Hoops with a Z at the end um we got a lot of major things coming um you know it, it's, it's it's deep in the basketball it's pretty much bringing god back in the basketball we the good media we other people y'all gonna love to talk to and you're gonna see this way deep in the basketball i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell everything that we got going on with it but you know i, I i've delved into the training part of it. i have a business partner you know he's doing more the the, the spokesman part of it more you know the speeches and you know and, and stuff like that with it. Um, but it's, it, we got a lot of good things coming in. On Instagram, we have I think fifty three thousand followers. So I mean, we got a long way to go, but we we started somewhere. We gonna we gonna end up um, being one of the biggest um, basketball and one of the biggest um, moguls in the world. Man, so I, you I think y'all, y'all definitely on y'all way. And I want to again take the time to congratulate you and your partner on all you're doing. And again, I just wish y'all all the best in the future. That was y'all, Brochure. Man, I appreciate you, James. And I want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to this podcast. And you all have a great day. All right. You too.